are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be chatting with you today. Yeah, yeah looking forward to our conversation. It, uh, today's guest is going to help us uh, navigate uh, digital transformation uh, while uh, hopefully avoiding uh, channel conflict. And uh, I know that that's a, a subject that um, uh, comes up often as people look to um, change how they go to market. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited for today's guest. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, it's a pretty common thing, especially in the manufacturing space when you have, uh, you know, distribution models and, and other things like that, you know, um, there are a lot of, a lot of people with a lot on the line when it comes to actually getting the products out there. Indeed. Well, look, without further ado, let's introduce the guest. Indeed. So joining us today is Kevin O'Boyle. Kevin is the Director of Marketing and Digital Business Solutions with Intermetro Industries. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Kevin. Hey, uh, happy to be here. Kevin, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. I want to, uh, want to let me just get, get underway with um, a bit of an introduction to Metro and, uh, and, uh, and your role there. All right. So Metro has been around for 90 years. We are a diversified manufacturer of storage and distribution products used in food service, healthcare, and commercial industries, um, predominantly restaurants, hospitals, and labs. So uh, we started off, uh, our name, so the name Metro is synonymous with wire shelving. So if you've ever seen wire shelving in a restaurant or in a garage somewhere, uh, that was invented by our company back in the 50s. And we still sell a lot of that stuff today. So we're like the Kleenex of wire shelving. Um, but over the years, we've diversified and broadened out and we sell uh, many other products in those vertical markets that we serve. And just a little bit about me, uh, you know, so it's funny. I mean, I joked years ago that I, you know, marketing would be the last skill or profession I would ever be. And I was an electrical engineer by training. Uh, I went to business school. I majored in finance and strategy. But I guess in manufacturing companies, a lot of us, you know, ex-engineers end up in other roles. But I'm uh, so I've been in this marketing role for around five years now. And I'm really enjoying it, like with, with, with digital and digital transformation, digital marketing, how that's taken off. It's been a a very fun role for me to kind of mesh the sort of like kind of diverse skill sets that I bring to the position. I think we could do an entire episode of interviews with marketers who are formerly engineers. Um, it, it's a- <laughs> or at least didn't intend to be in marketing. I mean, yeah. kind of, if it makes you feel any better. Uh, my background is in finance and natural resource economics. So I don't think I intended to be in marketing either. I've been in it my whole life. I'm very fortunate to have good creative people on my team. You know, <laughs> you can't put an engineer in charge of the marketing department unless there's some actual good creative people behind the scenes, like doing the, you know, the the marketing work that needs to be done. Nice. Yeah. Look, let's uh, let's kind of jump into the work that you've been doing because I, I know that you've been leading the organization through a a, a digital transformation agenda. And um, uh, and and doing so, uh, endeavoring not to create channel conflict along the way. So I guess first things first. Why don't we explain the uh, the channel environment that you're dealing with and what we're kind of endeavoring to navigate as this transformation uh, is underway? Sure, happy to. So uh, 
it's good to talk about our business just to put some, every business is different. Every, every channel and every industry is different. So it's good to put some of that stuff into context. Part of what makes things complicated for our business is, uh, so we have a small retail segment. Um, it just, so it's shelving, right? So shelving can kind of be anywhere, be anything. So it just ends up there because, you know, people just want to use it to store things, but it's not, you know, the core of our business, core of our business is commercial grade shelving. So our food service and commercial businesses are almost entirely channel based. Uh, but in healthcare, we do sell direct uh, to hospitals and we have, uh, you know, our own sales force that goes and calls on those people. Whereas in the other markets, we have a sales force. Um, they're sometimes working with end users, helping them figure out what they need and then pulling that demand through the, through the channel or, or, or working with the channel to develop marketing programs and educating them so that they could sell to our end users. So, the, but, the, but with e-commerce, you know, any decisions that you make kind of affects all markets equally. So, you know, so that's another challenge. So like we, there are different business models that, you know, we need to support. So that's the, the first thing to put into context. Um, if, we, if we were just a healthcare business, it would be kind of vanilla. You know, we'd be able to, to sort of do what other people do, set up a website, put some SKUs on there, and then let people take orders. Uh, but what's important is that our distribution partners and the food service and commercial parts of our business are very valuable in the buyer's journey in what they do. And really, like our product doesn't get to the end user w without those people. Uh, and I think it's, like, it's important to understand who's doing a lot of the work in, in making the sale happen. So a lot of our stuff is sold in big projects. You know, when a new lab is being outfitted or when a restaurant is being remodeled or built. Um, I was with one of our dealers uh, a couple of weeks ago, right before all this, all this happened. And like for us, this was a small restaurant, mind you, it was over a hundred thousand different saleable items that had to be specified and ordered to build a restaurant. So their aggregation at a, at a project level is massive, the work that they do. So um, maintaining our partnership with these people is core and vital to our business. So how, um, so you've been working to, um, evolve an, an e-com presence. I think it just launched, uh, as of this recording just a few days ago. Um, so how have you bent to the task of creating that e-com presence, understanding that, uh, the, 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 the channel partners and the importance of them? How has, how has it changed what you've done? So going back several years when we were starting to lay the framework, for what we would do, you know, the question came up about, so what are we going to do with the traffic that's on our website? Because there are people that are on there and they want to buy a product. Uh, you know, so we're blessed with this brand name that's been around for so long and it's synonymous with shelving. So there's just this organic demand that just gets generated because of the name of our company. Uh, but that being said, when you again, when you look at the buyer's journey, it's like that channel is really vital to what the business is today and, and how it is we go to market. So, you know, when your business isn't mature in thinking through the, the these issues, you you can at least for in our case, we got hyper focused on the transaction, what we would do there. Once we did enough research and we ideated on it enough, we realized it was the least important thing rather than the most important thing. Uh, and we, when we started looking at other benchmark companies that are out there, be, companies that are B2B and very innovative with strong brands and what are they doing with, with their experience? You know, once you started laying out all the components of a comprehensive e-commerce strategy, that like those things that drive conflict are, and for, for a lot of businesses like ours, maybe the least important thing you should be doing, especially with the rise in marketplaces and what people are doing and how they're like, where they prefer to buy. Um, 
you know, the importance of your own website from the standpoint of a transaction, you know, it's, it's probably decreasing. Um, I could be wrong there, but that's just kind of my opinion that, you know, each company's, each, each manufacturer's website is going to be the place for you to provide highly enriched content to educate users how you want to educate them and take them through to make sure that you, that they know the right tool for the job. But that's not where they want to buy. If there's a project, there is some, there is some service that they need that a dealer provides. If they're doing replenishment or just simple demand items, then there's an, a marketplace or an e-commerce dealer that's probably going to suit that need really well. So to think that you're going to steal demand in one of those two buying cases off those people for a transaction on your site versus making sure they have the information that they need. Once we kind of realize that, it helped us put some of the building blocks in place to start building the roadmap in, in the proper way. That's really... Um... It's interesting. I, I I don't know that I've spoken with a marketer who has so um, readily accepted that uh, perhaps marketplaces is where that business is going to go, and they can't capture that with a recon presence. I uh, I'm not sure if I agree or disagree with you. I'm just simply saying I don't know that I've heard somebody say it quite like that before. Um, so so let's so I'll I'll try to unpack that then. I mean, because again, like this is this is our take. This is our take on this. But there's so much other good work you can do. So like, because what's the end user trying to do? The end user is trying to find one of my products and buy it somewhere. Um, there's, and but they also might want to buy my product with a bunch of other products that they need at the same time. How many username and passwords does that does that person want to have? How many different sites do they want to have to have accounts on where they're where their credit card information is stored. Um, will I ever have the distribution presence? Like, yeah, I have several distribution. Will I ever have really have the distribution presence of an Amazon or some of these other large vertical specific dealers that 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 are out there? Um, but versus, but the idea is, how do I enable? How do I enable my deal? So our e-commerce, so e-commerce has several components to it beyond the transaction. Um, one component is, you know, how do I use digital transformation to enable my own sales reps to make them more efficient, to give them digital tools to sell better, to generate more demand, to capture more demand, to, to convert more demand? How do I enable my existing sales channels with digital content to better market to, to end users and, and sell my products to, to end users? How do I get better content on e-commerce dealer sites uh, to help them grow sales of, of my products on their sites? So just looking at the ecosystem more broadly and thinking about where you invest your dollars and, and because again, like we, we love our channel. They're super important partners to us. They're a, they're a super important part of the value creation. So it's just like, we aren't interested in trying to compete against them, you know, because once you choose to transact and then there's the whole pricing discussion that we can maybe get into, the, like once you think, then it's, it's the transaction and the price that drive conflict. Everything else can be complementary. And, and growth oriented. So given all of that, where does the Metro e-commerce platform fit overall in your, you know, in your go-to-market strategy? Like where, where are you choosing to play there? And are you, are you maybe holding back some of the fulfillment with the e-com platform and allowing the channel partners to provide that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, before answering that question, you know, when, uh, we looked at what lots of other companies did, right? So, uh, so right now on our site, the you can put products in a cart, but you can't buy from that cart. That cart um, can generate a quote request. 
which is an improvement over a basic lead management process. You know, like with a basic lead form from a tool like HubSpot or Marketo, you put something in the comments, you know, the form routes to a sales rep, the sales rep follows up with that person. That's the way a lot of us just use our lead form processes, you know, in, uh, in lead management. So at least today, they can go through a full e-commerce shopping experience. They could put their products in a cart and then they can request a quote of that cart. So I've got a few steps down where the, where the, the SKUs and the quantities are specified. Um, it's automatically routed with a PDF to my sales rep and my, my sales rep can decide at that point who is the right dealer or partner to bring into this transaction with, with the end user and what's the right pricing that that, that that person needs. And they could work with the dealer and whoever they or and the end user to, to kind of get to that right scenario. So today where we're at is what I'm calling a quote cart phase. So uh, prior to, to prior to this version, our website did not have any SKUs on it at all, which was a massive undertaking for us. Um, you know, we have 30,000 sellable items. We, we only have 7,000 of those online right now, but the effort to, you know, get 7,000 images, descriptions, et cetera, you know, gathered in, in a digital ready state was a, was a large undertaking. So we're going to continue to improve and grow. You know, a lot of companies that like, so I'll say like we went and benchmarked what we thought were great experiences from great brands. Uh, one of the first ones we fell in love with was Rigid Tool. And what was really unique about them is they delivered like three different transaction models on one site platform, uh, depending on kind of what the product was and what the segment was. So Rigid Tool has stuff that's sold at home at Lowe's and Home Depot, sort of their more commodity basic tool stuff. And if you select one of those products through the site, the site's actually branded differently. It's branded orange and they were directing you uh, directly through a, a how to buy software program to that SKU on Lowe's or Home Depot to go and buy it. Then they have their commercial division, their professional tools. The site was branded red. And for that, they took you through a more complex where to buy workflow. So the way that they avoided channel conflict is to offer up several options, both brick and mortar dealers and online dealers. And then based on your preference as a user, they help you quickly search. And, I, and there's a couple of tools that do this. One of them is like Price Spider, one is Numerator. And they help you search through quickly whether you want to shop online and finish that transaction or get some kind of consultative service at a local brick and mortar dealer. Uh, Still USA Chainsaws, they do something very similar as Rigid. And, and then we looked like, well, where does that go long term? We also looked at Sony cameras, like something a little more consumery. So, you know, they do compete directly with Best Buy and other distributors that they have because the camera that sold on Sony is the same camera that sold on Best Buy. And they're all selling it for the same price. You know, so consumers are a little different than B2B, but they still use that same where to buy process online because, hey, maybe they don't want to buy it. Maybe they want to get it from Best Buy. So in case they want to go and do an exchange or get it serviced or whatever, I'll, I prefer to buy from, from, from them rather than directly from the manufacturer. Bosch Tool. So this, this claim, too, um, I, it was a Bosch Tool. It was said in a, in a conference by them that they don't view their own site. Like it's a small fraction of their sales. But it is not the strategic component of sales. It's there for convenience for the people that want the trust of just buying directly from the manufacturer. So th that was one that took we, we thought that was very applicable and suited our business. And we've been kind of operating under that same same mantra.
Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. I don't want to lose sight of something you said there because it really does speak to the almost Heraculean effort that's required in order to bring, you know, a a site of of tens of thousands of SKUs to life for e-commerce. And, you know, you said you managed to get 7,000 SKUs up out of 30,000. You know, what, what was the process for, for doing that? Did you manage all of it internally? And, uh, and how difficult was it? Because I just think that there's a, a dose of reality for any manufacturer looking to move into an e-commerce platform when it comes to actually gathering that content for your SKUs and making sure that it's all fully available and of a quality that you would anticipate from the manufacturer. So what went into that? That that demand was that it started to be pulled out of us from uh, some of our e-commerce partners, where they wanted to put our SKUs on their site, and they need and they give you these massive spreadsheets that have two hundred columns of data on them. Uh, you know, one of the pieces of advice I'll see if you're a manufacturer, like look heavily at investing in a product information management tool, something like a Salsify or equivalent. It's really going to help you manage that whole process and streamline how you how you ultimately distribute this content. But your question was about making it. So sorry for doing the Salsify plug there. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. <laughs> right. So make, so we created uh, we, we created a studio, you know, White Wall Studio to do some of the photography. We prioritized our SKUs uh, based on sales volume. And we, hi- and we assigned a person to it almost full time because there was so much data that needed to be gathered and cleaned up the coordination of, you know, we had to get the product sent from the factory, sent up here, staged photography, picking the right photos, organizing them all into the PIM, categorizing them, everything else. It's been a three year undertaking to get from zero to 7,000 for, for us with, with one person almost dedicated full time to it. So just so you're aware, Jeff is going to use this for any time that uh, people want uh, 7,000 SKUs uh, from scratch in like three months put up on an e-com site. This is why Jeff just completely uh, plugged this question in here, Kevin. (laughs) Just tee that right up. <laughs> but three years is astonishing, and uh, but it doesn't surprise me. It's a bigger effort than almost anybody estimates. The the other challenge too is like a lot of manufacturers like us have products that are highly configurable, and we all have these complex configurators and everything else. So what do you do in that case? A lot of those products aren't necessarily designed or set up for an you know for an e commerce site. So then, but it's an it's a wonderful exercise. Then you go back and work with your product management team. You know what really are the center of bell curve configurations that should be standardized, shot, you know, imaged, etc. That can become a part of the normal catalog that doesn't have to go through the the cumbersome con- configuration program. And. Um... I think it's fantastic advice for people to uh, start now with the PIM before you worry about uh, standing up e-com because you've got some work ahead of you. Oh, absolutely. Because again, it's with the strategy. So for us, like the PIM and what's in the PIM, it has to serve more than just the website. Like e-commerce sites have their own catalogs baked into them, but that same information has to go to 20 other places. So of course, 
it was so important to get it in there. If we'd have done all that work to put it in our own catalog, it just would have it would have not given the would not brought value to to what we'd done. I, I will say we waited before we pulled the trigger on it too. Like we we managed the process manually in Excel for as long as we could just to kind of avoid some of that cost. But once it got to a scale where like okay, now's the time. It gave us time to invest and make sure we we were doing the right thing. You know, because at the beginning when we were at less than a thousand SKUs, like why should I spend that much money on a tool until it's you know really ready and at the scale to start doing what it is we we needed to do. Understood. I'm curious because you've talked about kind of moving away from the transactions being the place of importance and moving to kind of product information, educating the customer, et cetera. Um, and, uh, and I'm certainly picking up what you're putting down. I like some of the examples, rigid tools and others that you've mentioned. Uh, I'm curious, um, uh, this obviously has changed how you have framed up uh, your KPIs for your initial e-com launch. So how are you measuring the success of the site um, because of course, you know, you don't have that, uh, very bottom of funnel e-com measurement called sales right now. So how are you doing? I'm using the quote quest cart amounts as my metric of, of success, you know, so obviously there, so there is some leakage from that number, but at least I could track over time. What is the volume of quotes that I'm generating through the cart? Uh, prior when it's just a lead, when there's just a comment box, I don't know the amount that's there. I don't know if they want one or if they want a hundred and which product it is and all that kind of stuff. And it really caused problems for my sales team because they'd be getting orders for like replacement parts at the same time as projects that are five or six figures, you know? So hmm. now it's, I can segment it and triage it based on amount and I can measure it based on amount. Cause before, you know, I'm assuming regular average order values. Now I can actually quantify or measure it and try to grow it over time. Uh, the site does have the accessories built in in like a very easy to manage ad. So I do hope that like people will increase the bundle value by using the accessories there. So I still I, I have a you know, it's a it's a proxy metric for revenue, but it's it's still a it's still a revenue. I think it's still a revenue metric. None. Nonetheless, will you be able to close the loop eventually with those um, uh, quote requests? Is there a linkage back at some point? If somebody does uh, transact with the channel partner. Yeah, it's a really cool tool. So the, the platform we went with was Big Commerce. Um, it has a marketplace of other little apps that plug into it. Uh, this particular app is called Quote Ninja, and it does allow you that if you want to then turn that quote back into an order, you can do that through 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 the piece of software. So you could discount it and then process it. Um, I mean, so where we're at today is just, I mean, I think eventually we will transact, but we're always going to transact in, in a dealer friendly way. So like that where to buy tool, like by price spider that like rigid tool uses, we might do something like that in the near future. I think it's a great point and, uh, and, uh, absolutely useful for, for listeners. Uh, thank you for highlighting the, uh, the, the, the tool set there. Um, I think that'll be uh, helpful for people to, uh, to go and research and, um, it, uh, it it kind of begs the question as I hear you speak of this, and you know you've uh, certainly uh, you're quite a ways down this this transformation path, but you certainly are, are seem to be looking ahead as well. So I guess um, with the all the benefit of hindsight, uh, based upon where you're at today, um, is there anything thus far that you've either you'd either say you've uh, you've got wrong or you underestimated? Hmm. Anything you wish you'd have done differently at this stage? We're a very conservative company. So I think we've moved pretty slow. We've been very careful. Um, we've, um, our, our, 
I guess one thing I'd say that has been well is that our, our CEO is heavily, heavily involved at like every stage of the game. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a CEO who very much understands and appreciates and, and drives marketing. And if you don't have that as you're going in, and if he's not in your corner um, pushing all of this, like you're going to have a hard time. So I guess, so the one thing, have your CEO on board. If not that, I, I would have ran into to trouble at, at several points. We're st- so the trouble for me, I, I think I'll have a better answer for you in about a year. Because <laughs> again, we're, we're really at that point where like we're, so we've had a lot of success um, with the digital marketing efforts that we've done. And so doing that, doing that stuff first um, was, was really good. One of the first major projects we did is we were trying to like, rather than, because there's all, you can work on digital marketing, you can work on e-commerce, you can work on sales enablement. One of the first major technology products projects was a sales enablement project where we were trying to build a sales portal for our sales reps so they can get access to a lot of this information real time, mobile, make them more efficient, help them sell better. And we tried to build it ourselves. Um, so we had an offshore web team that would help us. And we had like a, a static site that was kind of built on Drupal where it's, you know, it, it didn't need to be great. And there's the mistake we made was not realizing how much good off the shelf stuff is out there that you can, you don't need to invent anything anymore. I forget where the quote is. It's about elegant integration today, not invention. And we tried to invent our own sales rep portal, which ended up being a, a, a huge failure. And we've actually already deep sixed it, you know, after all the time and money and effort that was spent on it, it, it taught the marketing team how to manage technology projects and a lot of what not to do. Um, it taught us that we needed to think very critically about our partners as we go after something more serious like the website and to, and to do a lot more of buy and not build. Very little of what people do today should be customized. There are so many platforms out there that can be integrated so readily. Uh, it's a, it's a buy and, it's a buy and integrate, not build anymore. I think that's uh, that's really great advice, and uh, and uh, thank you for uh, being so so honest. Not everybody would uh, uh, say, yeah, you know, we did this uh, one thing over here. I spent a bunch of money on it, and it completely flopped. But I love the fact um, that you quickly converted that into a lesson about actually teaching the marketing team how to manage technology projects. Because there was there was a lot more of those to come. Um, yeah. and, uh, it sounds like there was a lot of, uh, valuable learnings along the way. And certainly it seems like they've, uh, come to fruition in this econ project. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, I imagine three or five years from now, cause like, you know, I'm, uh, we're being very entrepreneurial right now. We're trying to move really fast. The, the architecture behind the, the data strategy might not be as mapped out as well as it should be. So like future Kevin might be really mad at, at 2020 Kevin that, uh, <laughs> But it's it's a matter of budget and and trying to move fast and trying to learn real really quickly. Um, there's a lot of really good integration platforms out there. We haven't been able to kind of justify the investment in one yet. Uh, but we do use Zapier, which is an incredible and affordable little tiny like I'm going to call it starter integration platform as a service that we that we're getting tremendous value out of today. Um, but at some you know. We'll be at the scale pretty soon where like something more robust, like anybody who's on Salesforce uses something like Jitterbit or MuleSoft or something like that. And, uh, you know, we're just not there. So we're using, we're the baby steps with that.
Well, I love this. I love the thought uh, and and what you said there about you know it's not about inventing things; it's about elegant integration. And uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, there there really are a ton of these tools, and the trouble and the the benefit is that there are literally hundreds of great MarTech tools that we can all take advantage of, and none of them talk to each other natively. So we have to find ways to make them do that in a way that makes our jobs as marketers easier while also giving the data and information that we need in order to be able to justify the investments we're making. I think that's right on the money. Kevin, I want to I thank you for uh, sharing your insights and knowledge with us today. I think it's been, uh, been a fantastic uh, uh, glimpse into uh, the evolution of the online presence at Metro, and, and thank you for sharing. Thanks, guys. It was, a, it was a blast. A ton of fun. Thanks a lot. All the best. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. 